support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Tuesday, September 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio. Jason Moser. And you may say, hey, why is Jason in the studio? He was just there yesterday. <laughs> and there are a couple of reasons, uh, but the main reason is because the news fairy showed up this morning and Jason has earned the right of basically the, the right of first refusal, first dibs on the news fairy story. Why not? I mean, it, it, it seems like it's a story we've been following around for a while. So, I mean, Equifax chairman and CEO Richard Smith is out. He is out. And as he should be, as he should be, and I was reminded this morning by our colleague Brian Richards of something that you know. You look at the coverage of this story so far, and maybe this will change by the time this episode has been published and people are actually listening to it. Maybe some of the words, some of the language, will change. But the Washington Post saying that Richard Smith is retiring mm-hmm. and Wall Street Journal, you know, sort of this soft and and Brian Richards reminded me of something our friend Morgan Housel had written over the summer which um, is the sociology of firing. <laughs> if you're poor, you're fired. If you're mid-wage, you're let go. If you're rich, it's the whole, well, I don't want to create distractions. So it's not I'm, you, it's me. I'm going to leave. And if you're powerful, it's the proverbial desire to spend more time with family. And I guess by that definition, Richard Smith is rich because the brief statement from him was about how he didn't want to create distractions and the company needed new leadership. This guy Oh, well, how selfless of him. Yeah. I mean, now it all comes out. They, the board finally, collectively, grew a spine. And they showed this guy the door. They did, and I'll tell you. I mean, when I saw the, I saw the news uh, on Twitter this morning, and it just strikes me that, I mean, he, he just, it sucks that he gets to say retired because I, I feel my my perception. I think a lot of people's perception is that basically, whether he was intentional or not. I mean, he neglected all stakeholders involved and basically drove this company's reputation off a cliff. And and there was no way to see. This coming until it happened, but once it happens, to me, like Equifax had a lot of opportunities early on, really, to respond to this correctly. And and I know you don't want to be hasty and just start cleaning house in most cases. In a case like this, though, I feel like you have no other option. Like you can sit there and try to sort of frame it however you want. You're looking into it and yada yada yada. But the bottom line is that the people who are in power here. Are ultimately the ones responsible for this happening, and as more information came out, it became abundantly clear that at least someone, but but probably a number of people, were asleep at the wheel. Uh, I think a lot of this goes back to why we like to see. We don't see it very often, but it is nice to see sort of that separation of powers when the CEO and the chairman of the board are two different people. Because in this case, Smith was not only the CEO of the company but also the chairman of the board. He didn't have the incentive to light a fire under his ass and find out what was going on. Uh, thankfully, the board grew a pair and decided to do it for him. And I think this at least sends the right message in that they've thrown a few executives out. Now the CEO and chairman is out. They can start kind of getting back down to brass tacks, figuring what they can do to 
mend their reputation. It's going to take a lot of time. Obviously, there are going to be lawsuit lawsuits. Just it, 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 I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't think there will be. It, it'll go on forever. I mean, there will be class action lawsuits. These guys are going to have to really uh, save a lot and in, in, in really uh, be prepared to pay out. I think a lot for for what they've done here. Now, with that said. You know, I think a few weeks back, I went on Twitter and talked about why I thought probably at the end of the day this ends up being an opportunity for investors. Now, it's a matter of what kind of investor you are, and if this is sort of your speed, or are you a value investor? Do you like to get into these kinds of of situations? Because probably you'd have to hold your nose in buying these shares if you felt like there was a future there. But the thing is, they are so ingrained in in. They have a lot of information. They have a lot of information that a lot of other companies don't have, and and it, this isn't their only line of work. It is a big company, a very diverse company, uh, with a lot of different ways it makes its money. So the best thing they can do right now, clean house on the leadership side, get back to mending their reputation, and and you know communicate with all stakeholders, employees, shareholders, customers, why they matter, what they're going to do to fix it, their commitment to being better. If they can do that, I mean, I honestly see a light at the end of the tunnel with these guys, but this really was the first major step they had to take. And you're absolutely right that this is a long process, but in the short term, in the near term, and by that I mean next week, Congress does have on the docket Richard Smith scheduled to testify before the Senate Banking Committee. And the only, like, the only thing with a lower approval rating than Congress is hurricanes. <laughs> and they are absolutely the Senate Banking Committee is absolutely going to take someone out for a ride on this. And and maybe it still ends up being Richard Smith. I don't know. There are a couple of senators who have already said we don't care that he's fired. We want him in our committee room next week. Someone from that company is going to is due for a public flogging. But that's that's part of the process. If they truly are going to get to the light at the end of the tunnel they're going to have to take their lumps. Yeah, they will. And I mean, if he if he can go in there and testify and actually really demonstrate um, a, a credible sort of, of record of, of how he ran this business and how this really was unforeseen and and how they really weren't negligent, then perhaps there there is a way for him to walk out of this relatively unscathed. My my bet is they're probably he probably doesn't have that record to demonstrate, and. We were hearing a lot of Equifax being lumped in with Wells Fargo and and everything that Wells Fargo did wrong. Wells Fargo, obviously a bigger company, um, a bit more important to our economy given their status in in the mortgage market. I think that probably you know we look at the way Wells Fargo handled that and the fact that they replaced Stump with. Someone who had been there during the entire time all of this was going on too. I mean, it's not a very good look. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like Wells Fargo more or less got out of this relatively unscathed. I gotta believe the folks that they're testifying in front of are not going to let them off the hook so easy. I agree with that. And and the other thing with Wells Fargo is it was contained to Wells Fargo yeah. customers. Yeah. So you could you could look at that as I did and think, well, that's terrible. But I'm not a Wells Fargo customer, so it didn't <laughs> affect me. Whereas with Equifax. 143 million of us out there. Yeah, I mean that's true, but a lot of people are Wells Fargo customers in one way or another. You probably don't even know it. If you if you're a homeowner, then Wells Fargo has probably been involved in your life in some way shape or form. Like, I mean, I don't have any accounts with Wells Fargo, but I think I think they may have one of our mortgages or used to at least. I mean, so they do they do 
touch your life in some way, even if you don't realize. And it's like Equifax. Like you're not going to Equifax probably in asking for your credit record, but whenever you apply for a loan, that person you're applying through is going to Equifax to get your credit record, along with probably another one, either TransUnion or Experience. So, I mean. If you're at TransUnion or Experian, I mean, on the one hand, you got to be feeling pretty good that you're not getting dragged into this at this point. But on the other hand, I have to believe that that leadership at both companies are taking a a good look at all of this and trying to make sure they can implement whatever policies and procedures that will ensure they don't find themselves in this kind of a situation. Because I've I've said it before. I mean, listen, this looks really bad for Equifax for good reason. It's a data breach. Okay, and and they're going to be more data breaches. <laughs> That's just the way things go as we move towards a more more technology driven economy and and whatnot. So, it was Equifax this time. It will be someone else next time. And so I got to believe that for any of those other other companies that touch our lives in such a way, they probably need to be doubling down, as they say, on security and making sure they don't let this happen to themselves. Let's go to some specialty retail earnings. Asina Retail out with a surprising fourth quarter report. This is the parent company of Ann Taylor, Justice, Lane Bryant, Dress Barn, and more. Uh, Fourth quarter profit when a loss was expected. Revenue came in higher than expected. Not surprisingly, in the in the wake of that kind of report, the stock up big at the opening bell, settled down a bit. It's still up about eight nine percent. Yeah. But is it just a situation where well, it's a little bit of a dead cat bounce? Um, I mean, it was better than expected. So, yeah, whenever you see something like that, I mean, it's not a company that is in such dire financial straits that their demise is inevitable. I mean, I think there's a future there. Um, it's it's a very difficult business that they're in. I mean, I remember having to go into justice more times than I care to remember, honestly. Um, you know, taking taking my daughters in there for that stuff, and I mean, those stores on their own are just it's, it's an inventory nightmare. So it's a difficult uh, difficult line of work there, I think, in what they do now. It's not just justice, right? I mean, it's it's dress barn and what uh, a number of other different brands there that that sort of support a number of different uh, levels of customers, and I think that honestly is an advantage. For this this company, at least we talk about Gap and sort of the advantage there, and having a number of brands under that umbrella. Um, Asana definitely has sort of that dynamic, but it's 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 definitely doesn't have that same brand power, you know. I don't think so. It's it's a it's a very tough space, and in management, even when they're trying to frame it like they're playing offense, it really comes across as playing defense. And I'm talking about things like cost savings and restructuring. I mean, they're talking about this um, change for growth transformation program that they announced in October, but it's not really growth driven. It's more cost savings driven. And so they appropriated leadership accordingly. And they have individuals focused on their their four main segments there in premium fashion, plus fashion, value fashion, and kids fashion. So that's a lot of fashion out there. Um, difficult to manage, and we we always say fashion is fleeting. Um, but with that said, they do focus on something that consumers care about a lot in value. Uh, so that's where they could uh, certainly strike a chord. The debt that they have on the balance sheet is relatively manageable. I mean, the biggest lump of that is pushed out through 2022. With that said, is this a stock that I 
feel like is on the up and up and I'd want to invest in? Absolutely not. I mean, retail is just brutal, and, and retailers at this level are even tougher. So, a better better quarter for them, but uh, still plenty of challenges. I'm a little surprised that the market cap is as small as it is. It's, yeah. it's only about a $450 million company, and it seems like, and again, this is not necessarily a reason to run out and buy shares, but it really does seem like, I don't know, that there's... That it could get snapped up by someone who's just looking to unlock some value there. I'm thinking mainly of the Ann Taylor brand because I think that's probably the, in terms of price point, that's probably the the highest price point offering that they have under a senior retail. But probably I don't, I, so. I don't know if you shell out half a billion dollars for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of that a lot of that valuation today is sort of based on that perception that while the company is. Is getting through a difficult spot okay? I mean, when you look down the road, I mean, there's no reason to say, well, there's this bright light at the end of the tunnel where everything is going to be okay. I mean, the top line is shrinking, margins are challenged. And as I mentioned, I mean, that transformation, that growth program that they're working on, it sounds great, right? But it really is very defensively focused. And so when you have a retailer like that that's playing defense, uh, it's really hard to get worked up about its future, so the market I don't think is is really going to ever pay up for that. Now, to your point, uh, plenty plenty of uh, private equity interests out there that may be looking at this thing and thinking of of a way to uh, take it out on the cheap and and do something else with it. Before we move on, I want to say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for their support. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, or your life. But a couple of months ago, Richard Smith was pretty, feeling pretty confident about the job that he was doing at Equifax until it all came crashing down around him. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple. Rocket Mortgage allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Next week, October 3rd, is when that Senate Banking Committee hearing is scheduled. It'll be interesting to see who shows up there. Before that, is the beginning of the Motley Fool One event for the fall, which is in South Carolina. We're heading down to the Charleston area. You're going to be down there, and um, thought it'd be interesting if you could share just sort of a sneak preview of the presentation you're going to be doing as a day-long investing conference for Motley Fool One members. And uh, what what are you what are you going to be doing? Uh, well, besides Bes- playing golf, besides the golf, yeah. I know you, uh, there's a little bit of golf there. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Getting back. Uh, to, to the old stomping grounds there. I got to play a lot of golf on Wild Dunes growing up. Um, yeah, Matt Arger Singer and David Kretzman and I are putting together, we put together a, um, a presentation that talks about the future of entertainment and how it's, it's not just Netflix. I mean, obviously, Netflix has been a tremendous winner for a lot of our members for a lot of years. And uh, I, you know, I think honestly, we all we all expect their success to continue. I mean, it's a business that has done very well for a lot of good reasons. And I think uh, when we talk about all of the shortcomings in Equifax's leadership, we can look uh, to the opposite side of the coin there with Netflix and Reed Hastings and everything he's done. And and let's not forget, I mean, he he stepped in it a little while back with the whole. Uh, Quickster thing, yes. but he learned from that, didn't he? And wow, he learned and, and it made him a better CEO and made Netflix a better company. I think and investors really uh, benefited from that as well. But we're looking at the future of entertainment and how 
how things are changing so quickly as as distribution becomes uh, more over the top. It's not just cable anymore. And you look at things like how distribution for so long really was this major advantage. And if we think about 20 years ago, why did ESPN do so well for so long? And it was because of that tie-up with cable, right? I mean, cable was the distribution model. That was the only way to get it. And so, they had a lot of pricing power there, and they've really exploited that over, over the years. Now, distribution has gone over the top. It's the internet. It's become this whole different landscape where um, it is becoming more app-driven, more a la carte-driven, more on-demand-driven. And so, uh, we're seeing a lot of media companies out there trying to pivot and come to the market with new offerings. Disney is going to do that with a new Disney app and a new ESPN app. Um, You're seeing CBS, ABC, all these companies are trying to offer these a la carte subscription services now. I mean, we're hitting a point where, as we've talked about this for a few years now on the show, is that for a long time the cost argument was there. Well, I'll just cut the cord and use Netflix and Amazon Prime, and man, I'm saving hundreds of dollars a month. But now, Everybody's kind of onto that, and so it's going to kind of cost you more and more and more to kind of get everything you want, and that that disparity is starting to shrink a little bit. Uh, so we're taking a look at that, taking a look at sort of the new players in the space, looking at, at these social media companies like Facebook and Twitter and Snap, and they're not just social media, right? We we're calling these these are the media companies of the 21st century, and they're helping uh, to change the model as well. So bringing all of this uh, in into a discussion and and looking towards the future and additional ways investors can win beyond just Netflix and I'll give you a little teaser here uh, we each picked our three ways to win beyond Netflix three stock ideas and then we also each added a dark horse so there're going to be six ideas coming out of this conference and there's going to be more all right but you'll have to find out after the fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Snap is not your dark horse. Snap just, is not Snap is not my <laughs> dark just horse. A guess. Not my dark horse, and, and very uh, very astute observation. <laughs> now, with that said, as much as I like to rag on it, I think they have plenty of opportunity if they can uh, seem to take that thing beyond Snap. And I, I did want to just throw one thank you out there, real quick. Last night, I sent a tweet out just. Asking people in 140 characters or less, tell me why you invest. I'm going to teach you an intro introduction to investing class here at Full HQ on Friday, and I, I got to say I was overwhelmed by the response. I mean, like in less than 24 hours, I got like 35 or 36 responses of all of these just really, really great answers. I mean, just every one of them, and and I put them all together in one moment on Twitter. You can catch it uh, at TMFJMO. But it, it is just thank you to everybody who replied. I mean, it, it was just an overwhelming response, and I really. Thought all of the answers were great, so go there, check that out, and see some of these reasons why people invest. I mean, everybody's got their reason, and and these are all a lot of good ones. And I think it sort of really hammers home to me the importance of what we're doing and the importance of why, uh, if you're not investing, you need to get started. And uh, we can certainly help you get started in the right direction. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan, who's pulling double duty today with this show and with Industry Focus, because today is Dan Boyd's birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, man. So, happy birthday to Dan Boyd. Happy birthday, Dan. What are you, like 23? Something like that. (laughs) I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.